Right, shall we, shall we pray? Because uh, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, Jesus, I thank you that you are the beginning and the end. That, Father, you are our fortress and our shelter. Thank you that you love us more than we've ever been loved. I thank you that you complete us, Lord, and that we find our life, our security, fullness in you, Lord. And I pray that this morning that, God, as we explore your word, that we may be people that are just that little bit more in love with you, a little bit more complete, and that we might capture something of your kingdom coming, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So, um, this week I've very much lived uh, in between two kind of, I guess, key points. Um, last week, um, Jeff spoke, and uh, for those of you that were here, he gave this, like, for me, incredible illustration of a white flower sat in um, blue dye, and that over time, that flower takes on that blue dye and becomes blue. And that, that was really significant for me. Um, and, and then yesterday after, uh, morning, I sat down and listened to uh, Mark's talk from um, Sunday night, Equip, um, and listened to him talking. And one, that one of the things that stuck, really struck me was this, he talked a bit about uh, having our brains washed not in a negative way, but having them washed to be cleansed. So I, I've spent the week kind of like writing this talk with, with those two almost pillars. One pillar of, of this idea of when I, when I remain in a place, I take on that and it changes me. So then on the other side, this idea that uh, I can be brainwashed and kind of seeing that as a, a real positive. And the other thing that Jeff said last week was, he said there's three things you've got to consider. Context, context, context. So when I'm talking today, that's the context that I'm coming at, okay, that I've got these things. Mark, this green thing on the floor is great, but I can't see, and so I'm going to have to move. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so I've, I've got this idea of what surrounds me changes me but also this idea that actually I need God to wash my brain so that it changes. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been looking, haven't we, at uh, John 15 and, and working our way through um, and, and thinking about what does it look like to remain, to remain in God's love? What does it look like to follow those commands of love each other as I've loved you. And um, I'm going to talk today uh, a little bit about 
what I've, uh, what I've called knowing his business. Um, so I'm going to read a chunk of it, uh, not just my verse, because I think the thing I learned last week is it's about context, context, context. So I want to give you all of it, not all of it, because that will take a while, um, but certainly a chunk of John um, 15. So I'm going to start reading at verse 9. I think the bit I'm talking about is up on the screen, um, but I didn't want so many slides that you got... Um, bored into sleep. So it says, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've made known to you. Everything my father... <laughs> I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So we've got this idea. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. And um, I'm a bit weird in that I kind of try and, I think in probably quite a linear way. Um, so I've, I've, I've drawn a little um, flu diagram um, just to help me understand, and, but, but maybe it's useful. Um, so we've got this idea of uh, Jesus saying, you're not servants, but friends. And actually we've talked quite a bit over the last few weeks about being friends and, and kind of what that means. But you've got this idea that the thing that connects not being servants to being friends is that we know his business. That's, that's, what, that's what it's saying. And then we're friends if we do what I command, not me, what, if, if we do what Jesus commands. And, and that's a lot about what we've heard over the past few weeks. So we've talked about a little bit about rules and, and these different things. And then he goes on and talks about that everything he learned from the Father, he's now making known to us. And so as we kind of explore this, I, I kind of want to pick up on two bits. I want to pick up on this bit about knowing his business and I want to pick up on the bit about um, the, the made known to you. Because I think actually there's some real good stuff that we can get out of that and, and maybe understand. Now, I come to you not as some Bible scholar, but some bloke that grew up and has kind of had a 40-year-old 40 40 friendship with Jesus that's evolving um, way off the finished article. But actually, God's done a job of faithfulness in me, and I, I want to share some of those things, and also I want to try and make it really practical. So, 
I were to ask the question, well, you know, who knows me? And what I mean by that is, you know, my dreams, my plans, my, my vision, my wants, my needs, what makes me excited, what upsets me. If I asked the majority of you sat in here, I would expect you to probably say, I don't know the answer to any of those things. And, and why would you? You know, there, there isn't an expectation of that. You know, we're not, this sounds horrible, but we're not that close. You know, I see you on a Sunday. Some of you haven't even got a clue where I am. Um, and that's cool too. We don't spend lots of time together, so I wouldn't expect you to know all those sort of things about me. If I asked my small group, you know, so Joanne or Grace or Sherilyn or Mark or um, who else is here, Robert, and I've seen Nolene somewhere as well. Um, if I asked them, or Jess, they kind of, I'm hoping, might be able to tell you some of those things because we've run alongside each other for a year. We've spent time together. We've, we've shared stuff. And then if you ask Nikki, who's my wife, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully she would be able to tell you most of those things because we spend loads of time together. We make opportunities to spend time together. We go for walks and get, you know, poured on by the rain and, and run across railway tracks and silly things like that. But we, we seek out opportunities to do stuff together. And as a result, she knows my business. I wonder if it's possible that if I did these sort of things with Jesus, that I sought out time to run across railway bridges and get wet and those sort of things, that me and the Father and Jesus would start to know each other so well that I would know his business. For those of you watching online, a TV advert's just come on. Um, John Mark Comer, who um, is uh, an author, um, he talks about a couple of different types of dwelling. He talks about this idea of active and passive. He talks about surrender as being a, a kind of type of passive and about practice as a type of active. And I would suggest that as, as Christians, as people that go to church, we're pretty good at the surrender thing. I think we're, we're quite good at saying, come Lord. I think where there's probably room for growth is this idea of the, the kind of more active practice thing. And actually, you know, when you, when you look at Jesus calling us to be his disciples, some people translate that as kind of an apprentice. And an apprentice isn't just someone that just sits and watches, but they get actively involved. They, they start to do the things that they're, um, I don't know what, 
Who's the person that runs Apprentice? But that person, master. They, they start to watch what their master does. They do what their master does. They speak like their master. And I would suggest that's that active idea of, of that we, we, we need to move to. Um, let me just read. This is a, a book called Sacred Fire. just want to read you a little excerpt from here. Imagine you have an aged mother who is living in a nursing home. You're the dutiful daughter or son, and every night after work, for one hour, you stop and spend time with her, helping her with her evening meal, sharing the events of the day, and simply being with her as her daughter or son. I doubt that, save for a, fair, a rare occasion, you will have many deeply effective or even interesting conversations with her. On the surface, your visits will seem mostly routine, dry and dutiful. Most days you will be talking about trivial, everyday things and you will be sneaking the occasional glance at the clock to see when your hour with her will be over. However, if you persevere, in these regular visits with her, month after month, year after year. Among everyone in the whole world, you will grow to know your mother the most deeply, and she will grow to know you most deeply because, as the mystics affirm, at a certain deep level of relationship, the real connection between us takes place below the surface of our conversations. We begin to know each other through presence. And I would suggest that my relationship with God had been very much like that. Well, I turn up and I'm the dutiful Christian that goes to church. And, and it's all right. I might, is the worship finished yet? A couple more minutes. But you know what? That keeping going gradually begins to change you, a bit like Jeff was talking about last week. God's presence, if I'm dwelling in it, I start to be changed. I go from being white to blue. I start to understand a bit more about God and about Jesus and about his love for me, about that relationship. I start to know my father's business. I think the thing was that realistically, until about two years ago, I was just like too busy. It, it was a bit like trying to listen to a conversation with someone in a nightclub. But the noise was so loud in my head that, you know, you get the, oh, who you are, you know, and you have to really listen. And even when you're really listening, it's still really hard to understand what's going on. And, and you know, the words I'd use was, well, God's not really speaking to me. Um, there's a uh, theologian called Dallas Willard who's um, sadly died now. But he said, um, we should take as our aim to live our lives entirely without hurry. The peace and joy and strength which God intended for human life, the well-being and health of mind and body is inconsistent with living in a hurry. 
of course, occasional bounce of hurry may be reasonable in such a world as this, but chronic hurry is not. You know, look around you in society. How many people do you know that are struggling in terms of well-being, health of mind and body? Yet, and if you've listened to Mark's talk on the Sunday night, and if you haven't, go and listen, because it's really good. We are bombarded, absolutely bombarded with and it's running us rather than we're running it. So it's no wonder, it's no wonder we're struggling to hear that voice of God because life is at such a fast pace. Yeah, I can't believe we've, we've got microwaves to cook, air fries, you know, because cooking takes too long, so I need to speed it up a little bit. I'll tell you a funny story, actually, just to lighten the mood a bit. My dad bought a microwave when my little sister was getting born, like 40 years ago. And he wanted to make uh, some meringues. This is nothing to do with this, but it just came into my head and thought it was funny. And um, it said 12 seconds. Now, my dad just did not believe that you could cook a meringue in 12 seconds. So he's like, it must be a Chinese misprint. Um, did it for 12 minutes. Now, you can imagine what the meringues look like. Anyway, that we, we digress, we digress. <laughs> we, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry on the tape. Um, really lost my train of thought now. Uh, what was I saying? It's too busy. So over the past two years, I've trained myself to slow down, to look for opportunities to surround myself with things that are going to help me grow. They're going to change me. They're going to make me go from that white flower to that blue flower. That are going to, over time, wash my brain. Because I want to be different. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be someone that knows my master's business and that he knows me anyway. But there's bits that I'm still clueless. I st you know, I am really working hard to sort my mouth out because just rubbish comes out of it sometimes. And it's interesting, isn't it, that I would consider one of my strengths is communication but actually, my shadow side, there's some rubbish that comes out of this thing sometimes. But it's a process. Oh, come on, Spirit. So, what's his business? Because if I'm going to move from being a servant to a friend, I need to know what God's business is. And I would suggest, uh, these are four things. I was having a bit of a think and pray and thinking, right, well, how can I try and explain this? So I've come up with four little kind of ideas. The first one is understanding. So, you know, it's really easy, isn't it, to pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it, in heaven, as it is in heaven. But what does that look like? What does it actually look like for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? Because that's a completely different 
thing to understand. How does that affect where you live, your neighbours? How does it affect your relationships, your friendships, your partner, your children? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How does it affect you at work, on the bus, when someone cuts you up? Or doesn't say thank you when they're driving through Bradford and you've just paused? Next word, collaborating. You know, that kingdom coming and God's will being done, I think Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. And I just, I know it's only a word, but that's really significant to me. Because he, he could have said, my Father. But there's that element of, I'm a co-heir, I'm a co-worker with Jesus. And so, I genuinely think that God wants, he can do it without us, but I genuinely think he wants us to do it with him. I, um, before I changed my role slightly at work, I went along to a men's shed on a Tuesday morning, uh, which is where a load of old blokes get together and fettle, as the guy that runs it says, they just fiddle with bits of wood and bits of metal, and we make stuff and sell it. But it's not about that. It, and it was never about that. It was about recognizing that men are rubbish at talking to each other unless there's beer involved. And because pubs are so expensive and closing down, those opportunities have gone. And so they talk about shoulder to shoulder, not face to face because guys don't tend to have conversations face-to-face, -face, but work alongside each other, and there's all sorts of conversations. When I'm working alongside Jesus, we journey that together, and we grow together. So, understanding, collaboration. Next word is alignment. I'm noticing there's a word missing, Mark. Did that get cut off? Or didn't you like that one? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It wasn't deliberate. No, no. no. It's all right. Um, so, um, yeah, so just going the collaborating one. I've, I wrote this. Where is God moving? And then jump in. So, you know, listening to what Mark was saying earlier, the whole storehouse calf. It. So, you what? Good. You know, if, if we believe that God is doing something and he's at work and people are meeting Jesus at the Storehouse Cafe, don't you want to be part of that? And go and, go and jump in. Go and find where God is working and collaborate with him. Look at the opportunities that are already there and jump in with both feet. Anyway, uh, next one, alignment. So, part of the journey I'm on is about making my will come in line with his will. So, the things that I want, I'm trying to change from being about me 
to we the things that me and Jesus want. Okay, so I find it very easy to plan my life. But actually, what I want to try and do is change what I want to what God wants. Because that's going to be far better for me. But actually, that's about his business turning me from a servant to a friend. But also, it's going to have an impact on the rest of society. So, train yourself to allow your plans and desires to become the same as God's plans and desires. That's an exciting thing to do. Seriously. And the last one that's not on there is participation. So, this is about God's plans in, in work. So it's not just this idea of passive obedience. It's about surrender, uh, not just about passive obedience and surrender, but actually getting involved. So the reason I smiled when uh, Mark started then sprouting on about playing drums is, I don't know about you, but there's a sense in which something is about to happen. And I don't know whether that's just because I'm getting old and I kind of think, come on. But I just sense that God is doing something in, in this country, spiritually. And, and in my mind, I just think, well, do you know what? If church explodes and goes crazy, we are going to need more preachers. We are going to need more worship leaders. We're going to need more people that can make coffee. We're going to need more people that can get here half an hour early and open the door. We're going to need more welcomers. We're going to need more kids workers. So why not start training now so that when God does his thing, whenever that is, we're ready. You know, we, we, my poor house group or our house group, they're, you know, they're being, they're being trained to go and run their own house group. I mean, they might not realize that yet, but that's the plan. Sorry if I've just given the game away. Because if God, or when God breaks out, what we've got here is not going to be enough. You are all going to be needed to be involved to run new churches. If it, if it happens like that, you know, if, if suddenly overnight 20,000 people in Trowbridge get, become Christians, <laughs> come on! <laughs> That's the reality, though. You know, this was never meant to be a social club where we all come and encourage each other. This is about a training ground. And yes... We, we need to learn and grow and worship together. But God is calling us for that lot out there that don't know, that haven't heard. I'm going to slow down a bit because I'm getting too excited. So, next slide. Um, we had a child kind of 20 years ago. Um, I think he's watching online. Hello, Elijah. Um, and at the back of the red book, at the back of the red book, there's, there's loads of charts like this. 
and it gives you an idea of, you know, uh, I think they're called milestones. Is your baby big enough? Is his head big enough? Is her legs big enough? Whatever, for different months. Okay? Are you where you expect to be? Is there any change? You know, are we, are we still where we were a year ago, a week ago, a month ago? Because God, I think, is in the business of changing us, of transforming us, of renewing us, of making us a new creation. And if the people around me don't see I'm different, then I've got to start asking myself a question, and that is, why? Why am I not more loving? Why am I not more patient? Why am I not more gentle? I don't know how to be gentle, so I'm working on that one. So if you think he's not very gentle yet, that's why, instead of, it's a growth area. So, I'm Mr. Practical, so I wanna just spend the last two minutes helping us think a bit about practicality. You see, things don't change if we don't change. Things don't change if we don't change. The verse says, his business has been made known to us. Everything Jesus learned from the Father. Everything that Jesus, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. That's one serious download, isn't it? Everything that Jesus learned from the Father, I mean, my broadband couldn't cope with that. Everything that Jesus learned from the Father. If you want to live in the fullness of that, then I think as well as remaining in him, we need to spend time with him. And I genuinely think that's probably the key thing. You know, remaining in my marriage has come by spending time with my wife. All the time. Now, she's lovely 99% of the time. I'm lovely 75% of the time. I know. But we remain because we dwell together, because we spend time together. So I'm going to set you a little challenge, or what people will often call a practice. And that is around two ideas. One is silence, and the other is solitude. So I want to encourage you. You know, we're not a church that make you do things, but I think this is an important thing to do. I think it's a life-changing thing to do. I think it's a helpful thing to do, and I think it's something that's changed me, okay? So I want to encourage you, over the next week, try getting up and set the alarm five minutes earlier. Five minutes. Set a timer for five minutes and just sit 
in silence, on your own, with no distractions, no one else around, for five minutes. And test me on this. See how it affects you. And if you're already doing this, add an extra five minutes, you know, because I know that some people will do this anyway. Because do you know what? Jesus had to do it. Jesus would, like, regularly go away and just spend time away from everyone else and sit in silence on his own. So it's not like I'm making you do or encouraging you to do something that's weird and wonderful. Remember I said an apprentice is, is watching his master. Another little bit of reading. This is called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I feel like it should be a rock song, really. I'm praying like monks, but I'm living like fools. <laughs> so this guy's Tyler Statton. He's a um, church leader from the US of E. He says this. Many confuse stillness with waiting for revelation. Sometimes revelation does come, and it's marvelous. But that's not the purpose of stillness. The purpose is consent. It's the daily practice of consenting to do the work of God's spirit, which is deeper than understanding our words. It's how deep calls to cook deep from our souls to his. Pick a consistent time. For you, this may be the final moments before rushing off on your morning commute, the sudden silence right after dropping the kids at school, or the daily office lunch break. It could be the very first thing you do in the morning, or the last thing you do before your head hits the pillow. When doesn't matter, so long as the when is consistent, because there's no such thing as a habit or priority that doesn't happen consistently. Create a ritual. Choose an ordinary place to become sacred. Ordinary holy ground. This could be your favorite chair, the back porch steps, the upstairs balcony, nice house, or the window seat in the city bus. Sit up straight with your two feet planted on the ground. Lay your hands in your lap, palms open, facing up. Close your eyes. Breathe in deeply and exhale slowly three times. Pray something simple and invitational. Traditionally, this is called a breath prayer, or sounds like, here I am, Lord, or come, Holy Spirit, or Lord, have mercy, or the one I do is be still and know that I am God. That doesn't say that, that's me. Then be quiet, be still, wait. And then he goes on and just talks about setting a timer. Resist the urge to decide if this practice of silent prayer is working. Don't evaluate if you're getting anything out of it. Simply trust that the practice of a couple of centuries worth of saints and the practice of Jesus himself might have a place in your life too. Practice silence as a sacrificial offering to God. It's that simple. It's about giving something of yourself to God, not getting something from God. One day you'll look up, discovering that somewhere along the way, at a point you can't name precisely, but know for sure you've crossed, silent prayer became a lifeline 
and essential. Give God the first word and let spoken prayer follow as a response. So, I'm encouraging us to look for an opportunity to spend time being quiet. As we finish, I, um, I, I'm going to have a, what I call a prophetic punt. Okay, I'm going to share a couple of words and, and see where they land. <laughs> is the <laughs> is, is pretty much what it is. Uh, so you know, um, I read a little verse in the Bible which I thought I would remember and I haven't. Yeah, Amos 8, it says, in that day the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. And I just wonder whether for some of us, whether we're young or old, that we're at a place where there's just nothing left. We are, we're just worn out. And I believe that God wants to be with you, but to probably break something in that, that's probably because you're putting unrealistic expectations on you. And it's probably because you're too busy. So, you know, we've got a team of people that will enable with you, a prayer team, whatever. So I think we'll probably, I don't know. Um, so it'd be great to pray for you if, if you feel that that is something for you. And the other group of people that I, I just think it's, this idea of hurry, you know, it's really hard to, you, you kind of would have a conversation with me that you said, but yeah, but you don't know my life. I, 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 all these things I have to do. And I, and I get that. But you know, hurry can be, it can be not an excuse, but it can really lock us up. So for, for people that kind of recognize that they, live a life of hurry, I would encourage us to, um, to, for you to get some prayer as well. Mark? I'm going to pray for these folks first. Am I? I want to stand. Okay. Because you've preached us, so you should pray. So we're all going to stand together, and I, I'm not sure what I'm going to pray, but um, I'm being told I have to. So, Father, let the... Let the good stuff rest in our bodies. Let the dross about meringues just float away, Lord. And Father, for those of us that need just to hear that word of dwelling, that need to find silence and a space to meet you, Father, may your kingdom come for those of us that are burnt out, have got nothing to give, nothing left. 
I pray that, Father, you would begin just to till the ground, Lord. And for those of us that are caught up in a cycle of hurriness, will you come and break that, Lord? Let your love flow into us as we posture ourselves to remain in you. Let your Holy Spirit and your love just be drawn into us. Let it surround us so that it transforms us.